Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Someone who's never had a locker room incident in his career, Neil Kulon. None at all. None in, none in that locker room either. I know that. Well, that's the story. Evidently up in wherever. Well, I guess it was at the Jets game. That there was some sort of incident that opened the door for Kenny. So what does it say about Trubisky that he's replaced, he's not the starter, something happens, his number's called, and he played the way he did? You know, I, I, I hate to say things like this because we gotta we got to unpack a few layers with this to, to really get into it, but my honest opinion of, of watching the 12 throws that Mitch Trubisky had in a relief effort Sunday versus Tampa Bay was he basically didn't do what he had been coached to do up to this point. He took, um, he took chances. He, he made some risky throws. Those weren't throws that you necessarily coach a player up to take. They were very tight windows. He didn't check down at all. And they were in the lead. If there was a time this year that the strategy that it, it seems both quarterbacks have been subjected to uh, to this point this season, if there was a time for them to really utilize that, it would have been, we're up, we got to milk the clock. If the throw is not there, if you're not certain of it, don't make it. But third and 11, third and 15, he hit Chase Claypool, uh, Chase Claypool of all people, on two monster throws, biggest throws of the year for the Steelers up to this point. Um, and he put them on the money. And, and credit to Claypool, too, because they were not easy catches. They, they weren't high-percentage throws by any, any stretch. They weren't high-percentage catches either. Uh, they Two probably most maligned players on that offense stepped up huge uh, when the team needed them to. And then Trubisky added 10 on a, a rush that they needed to have. So, to me, it, was, it almost seemed more like Mitch said, you know, never mind. I'm going to do this myself. If, if you're not going to help me out with what you're telling me to do, I'm going to go out and do what I know that I can do. And he played without question, without even the shadow of a doubt, the, the best that a quarterback has played uh, this season in one half. And maybe you go back the last two years for the same thing. Uh, he was on point. He moved the offense. It, it's obvious that guys were responding to him. They were jumping all over him after he, he rushed for that first down. He didn't even slide. He went head first into that. Very impressive output from him on, on Sunday. And, you know, I hate to say this just because it, it opens up Pandora's box for all kinds of other things, but the only thing I can logically conclude is that he didn't do what they had been telling him to do this whole time because where was that? Why didn't that happen before? Why didn't you throw to that window? Why didn't you hit a, a, a player at that angle before? Why is it that you're, you're checking down in the fourth quarter uh, when you're in the lead on third and eight? for two of the games that they played. Why were you doing that if this is the type of performance you're capable uh, of putting out there? I, it, it's, it's baffling, but I know what I saw in Mitch Trubisky playing at, at a high level on Sunday. And then defensively, they hold the Buccaneers with Tom Brady, a quarterback, and Evans and Godwin played and Fournette played to four field goals. And then, of course, the one touchdown finally late, and then they stopped the two-point conversion. What kind of job did they do? I, I don't think you can really quantify 
how far above board as a unit that defense played. And I, I will add this, and I understand that the controversy as far as Tom Brady not going to the walkthrough on Friday, um, not practicing, being with the team, all of that, how much, that, uh, how much of an impact that might have had. Uh, what I know is Brady won from the beginning of the game. He didn't look right. It just didn't look mm-hmm. like he was Agreed. even close to the same guy he used to be. I think he mm-hmm. fell off that cliff uh, that we saw Ben fall off of. Um, it, it, but two, the defense stood on its head the entire game. I mean, we were waiting for something. You know, Fournette gets a carry or two here and there. They move the ball a little bit. Nothing substantial. They didn't give up any big plays. And this is a, a defense without T.J. Watt yet again. And that, that's a unit that has had basically no pass rush in the last three weeks, four weeks now, something like that. Made a couple big plays, hit Brady, put him on the ground. Uh, a lot of A-gap pressure. Cam Hayward played one of the best games he's played in a while. That says a lot for him, considering what he's done the last couple of years. Larry Ogunjobi played out of his mind, in my opinion. They, they said he was hurt. He didn't look hurt at all. Um, a, a phenomenal performance from him. All of these are, are, are key uh, contributions to a defense that was fairly described as their second-half preseason unit. I mean, they, they had guys playing from the practice squad that you know, people didn't know were on the team. And for, for them yeah. to go out and perform the way they did against Tom Brady, against those receivers, and it, it's not like it was you know, nothing. Brady wasn't that bad. They confused him. They rattled him. There's no reason he shouldn't be able to complete several passes against James Pierre. And they tried. <laughs> they threw at him seven yeah. times. Yep. They completed two. Two of them. Both of them to Godwin, I believe. Godwin had a nice game because he's a good player. You're, you're going to make plays, but it, as as a defensive secondary, uh, Terrell Edmonds, James Pierre, the, the the level in which they played at was so far above and beyond what we could have reasonably expected. It was just shocking. I mean, watching it again, it was like, wow, they were really, really good. Um, I don't know where this has been. I don't know what it took, but you have to take your hats off to the coaching staff because really they they prepared a, a group of guys who you know reasonably are you know, backups. <laughs> They're not starters for a reason. Uh, they they did an excellent job, and that was a, a great performance all around on Sunday. I think that's, that's the best game I've seen Bush play in three years. Bush made a play. Bush, I even said that too. I, I promise you, and you of yeah. all people would know this, before the game, six months ago, whenever, there is no time I ever thought it possible. I would have said three stars to Mitch Trubisky, Two stars to Chase Claypool and one star to Devin Bush. Yeah. There is no way I ever would have said that. But know. honestly, that's what it was. That was it, it, Brady tied the game. That play worked. Uh, the receiver was there. He was open. Brady delivered a good ball. Bush just made a play. Bush played better on that play. I don't know who's ever said that. I mean, when was the last time Bush hit a ball in the air? I mean, it just mm. he, he hasn't made plays like that basically since before he, he tore his ACL. Um, and on top of that, he did an excellent job. I mean, they got gassed a little bit on the run, but the, the, the effort against the run overall was outstanding in that game. And Bush was a big part of that. He played really well. And credit where credit's due. He certainly did uh, in that game. Now they got Miami. Uh, I expect Tua to be back. And you're, I'm going to guess that Kenny Pickett can't play this week, especially with the caution in the league at this point about – concussions what's your thought i think it, it's uh, mike tomlin was quick to point out 
and he did this a couple times in his press conference this afternoon, that Kenny Pickett has cleared concussion protocol. Um, so did Tua before yeah. he got back on the field the last time. Mm-hmm. And that, that isn't to say anything. I mean, really, what we're talking about here is spirit of the law versus letter of the law, okay? The spirit of the law is the guy has a head injury, showing symptoms and all that. It can come at any point. But at this moment in time, this snapshot, he doesn't have them. So we're going to go ahead and take him out of this, not test him again, and he's cleared. Um, the, the hit that Tua took that sent him back again and caused him to miss two weeks, wasn't like a, a substantial hit, but it looked very similar to what happened to Kenny Pickett. Um, I've had that happen before. You get hit, your helmet goes back and hits the ground. Yep. It's a pretty jarring experience. You know, it, 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 it feels a lot worse than it looks. I know that. If Pickett is clear to play and that's who they want to, to go, okay. Um, it's just such, a, a, such an oddly timed situation for Tua to come back after all of that blew up not because of him, but because of what happened to him and how that was handled, which I'll I'll say this, by the mutually agreed upon rules of the concussion protocol, the Dolphins did everything they were supposed to do. The UNC did everything he was supposed to do. If, If the union wants to get upset about that, okay, one, you signed off on it. Two, you probably should have included language that said, look, if we see this and we know what it is, we need to take them off the field. You didn't do that. Okay, you knowingly didn't do that. Don't try to pin it on the league as if it's their fault. You're an active part of this as well. That's what collective bargaining is. You are responsible for it as well. Now, you want to change that? Good. You probably should, but you could have changed that a month ago. You could have changed it a year ago. You didn't do that. So for Tua, you can understand they take extra special caution with him. He clears uh, concussion protocol the same day Teddy Bridgewater did. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Tua's backup, Got a concussion as well. They had their third stringer playing. Then, of course, the third string quarterback gets hurt. So they have to put Bridgewater back on the field. But he cleared protocol. Probably too late to have played in that game. But now they basically said ahead of time, look, two is playing next week. Okay? That's just the way this is going to be. And we're going to put him out there. What's going to happen to either either player who's coming off the last time they played in a game, they left the field with concussion symptoms. Putting them both on the field at the same time, uh, you know, primetime game, it's just, it, it's so NFL for something to happen. I mean, I, I'm not rooting for it. I'm not trying to laugh at it. It's just, it, it seems like the probability of this, um, this scenario, this situation in the league coming up again, it, it's really high in this game considering. So I, I don't know. I, I think you could have any one of five combinations of quarterbacks in this game. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, if, if something were to happen that uh, puts both starters out of the game at some point. I, I'm not rooting for that. I'm not predicting it. I'm just saying um, it, it, you can't just bounce back from a concussion simply. Just because the symptoms don't show up uh, at the time that you are, are being checked out doesn't mean you don't have one, and it doesn't mean that you are not at a, 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 a very elevated risk of suffering another one. And that's kind of where the, that's the point where I think both of the starting quarterbacks are going to be entering this game. So a lot of eyes are going to be on it for sure. Finally, they are also on Sunday night going to be honoring the 72 Dolphins, the one team that was able to go through the regular season undefeated and the playoffs undefeated and win the Super Bowl, winning Super Bowl seven. Uh, it is the interesting part is that in Pittsburgh, it is um, a sub note 
because 50 years ago, Franco Harris and the Immaculate Reception, and of course Roberto Clemente passing away, one week later, the interesting part was that the AFC Championship game that year was not in Miami because the rules were different than it was actually in Pittsburgh. Uh, just your thoughts historically on the 72 Dolphins. I think in, in many ways the 72 Dolphins were kind of the, the apex and the beginning of the wind down of real power trap football. No doubt. Um, the passing era was ushered in not long after. Call it call it realistically five seasons. Hey, Bob, um, Gre- Bob Greasy in back-to-back Super Bowls attempted a total of 14 passes yeah, in Super yeah, Bowl exactly. seven and eight. And it, it, that was a team that was extremely difficult to stop on the ground. So, I mean, you see why. But that pattern and that, that style was still mimicked. You know, Shula still wanted to play football like that. Walsh wanted to not reinvent the game, but there were ways that you could coach a passing offense to be a lot more efficient and a lot more explosive. The NFL saw the draw of this. And you and I have talked about this too. The greatest innovation in sports history is the forward pass Mm -hmm. for the, the level of popularity of the sport. And with that, the length that the NFL has gone to, uh, to, to prop up passing, therefore, scoring, therefore offense, therefore offensive coaching, and with it, the heroes, quarterbacks, the most important position in all the sports. That started in the probably the mid-70s. They were throwing the ball, but it became much more efficient. And it wasn't probably even, for what we understand of it, uh, perfected until the last 10 years or so. They still were chucking the ball 15, 20 yards down the field. And, you know, Terry Bradshaw's chucking 25 interceptions in a Pro Bowl year for him. Uh, yeah. They weren't good at it yet. They weren't uh, as, as rhythmic with it. But the 72 Dolphins didn't care about that at all. And Bob Greasy is, is a rightful Hall of Fame member. Keep that in mm-hmm. mind. Yes. They ran the air off the, out of the ball. They ran the air out of their opponents. They ran the air out of the stadium. And they were really good at it. They were undefeated for a reason. It was really hard uh, to stop that. And certainly, um, like everything, in my opinion, with football, it, it, it is so subjective to the era that they were playing. And those eras are a lot shorter if you look at it in, in terms of context of history uh, than they might seem like. But the, the running era, the real three yards in a cloud of dust era of football was the longest. And the Dolphins, I think, were the pinnacle of that at, at the end of the time that was there. In 78, against the Rams, you got you know two teams in the Super Bowl scoring 30 points and a quarterback throwing for 300 yards and, and these you know acrobatic downfield catches. That highlighted the NFL at that point. That was only five years later. Right. So, I mean, it, it, it's... It's really interesting to see how different the game was played and you see up front, really in kind of a, a current events way, how much it has changed and why it changed. Because people really liked passing and they still do. Uh, in the high offensive games are really what people want to see and that was just not the way the game was played at all back then. Dolphins could win 20-10 to 10 and it was completely one-sided. You know, today that seems like a, a, a Thursday night snooze fest compared to, to, you know, a lot of what we normally see. My friend, thanks so much. Appreciate the time. Definitely. Thanks for having me.